You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. What is going on, everybody? Dan Gross is sitting in for Dave here on 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. That is our telephone number, and we'll take you right up until noon. Then we give you a little college football. You got Stanford. You got K-State. As the college football season kicks off in earnest here on this Labor Day weekend, I wish all of you a very nice, happy, and healthy Labor Day weekend. And today is one of those days already. You could tell it's like a 10 on the weather scale. Get outside. I know that there's a lot of great football on today. You got your baseball. Mets are playing two games. Yankees in action. U.S. Open for the tennis folks. Just get outside. You know, we're already into September. Pretty soon we're not going to get too many days like this. So get out, enjoy it, make the most of it, get that sunlight on you here, and hopefully we can uh, have some fun here on this Labor Day weekend. And then we move full steam ahead to the start of the football season, which is now a week away, at least as far as the NFL is concerned here with the Jets and Giants in action a week from manana. We, of course, will be all over The Jets and Panthers next Sunday, and the Jets all season long on 98.7 ESPN. The Giants will open up against the Denver Broncos, so a lot to get to. Ty Butler is my man. He is producing the program today. He is at the controls, and like I said, a lot to get to over the next few hours. Before we get into all that stuff, though, I know a couple of days have passed, though, but I'm hoping that everybody listening to the sound of my voice right now made it through that storm as well as possible the other night because it was ugly. And Ty and I were just talking before the show started. It's amazing how, like, it's all storms like the other night, whether it's, you know, we've had snowstorms in the past, you know, these these real bad rainstorms. Like, it, it seems like it, in a way, catches you by surprise. And those are the ones that leave, you know, the most damage and the most destruction. And, you know, I didn't go – I didn't leave the house Thursday, the day after everything went down, because I was busy with work and stuff like that. Yesterday I got out and, you know, driving around the surrounding towns and whatnot, and I'm in New Jersey, and it's just unbelievable to see the mark that that storm, I mean, it's no joke, and you just, you, you feel for all these people, I mean, even in the town that I live in. Now, thankfully, you know, we got through it unscathed, you know, no damage, no power, thankfully, but if you even go to, like, the other part of the town, you just you drive up and down the block and you just see house after house after house. And it's just all these personal belongings that are ruined. And, and they're pretty much just taking up the entire length of their lawn that they put out for garbage. And th- those are the lucky ones. You know, those are the lucky ones. What about the ones that have, like, the property damage? And, and I mean, you know, th- their house is, is ruined, for crying out loud. It's just so awful, awful couple of days here for all of us in the area. So... Uh, best wishes, best thoughts to everybody, and we'll try to keep your mind off things here for the next few hours at 800-919-3776. You get me on Twitter, at Dan Gross, at G-R-A-C-A. As I said, we'll be all over the map today because there's a lot going on here, as you would expect this time of year. It really is a great time on the sports calendar, so we'll be all over it. But might as well start with the baseball because now we're entering the home stretch. We've got four weeks left in the baseball season. Both the locals still very much in the mix. You know, one more so than the other, of course, with the Yankees sitting in a little bit better shape than the Mets are right now. Is You know, the Mets get back to 500 last night and now can almost hit the reset button on their season and see if they can somehow worm their way back into the playoff position that they really were in for much of this season. And we'll get to them in just a little bit. But we'll start off with the Yankees last night who, look, here's the bottom line. They needed extra innings, right? But they did what they had to do. And that was they won the baseball game. 
against a god-awful Baltimore Orioles team. And I know that the other team, those guys are professionals. Those guys get paid to win the game as well. All right, you could use all the cliches that you want. But the bottom line is, if you fashion yourself as a legit championship contender, which the Yankees do, you got to take advantage of against teams like the Baltimore Orioles, who are sitting there 50 games under 500. 50 games. You know, and the Baltimore Orioles as a franchise, they are as dysfunctional as any in Major League Baseball, and they have been for quite some time, and it's unfortunate what's happened to them because they used to be a proud organization, but you see what that ownership has essentially let happen to them. You know, this is going to be like three straight years, full seasons, that is, that they're going to lose at least 108 games. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. No team in professional sports should have that type of ineptitude. But if you're the Yankees, you know what? Take advantage of it. You say, thank you very much. We'll put the wins in our back pocket onward and upward to the month of October. And that's what happened last night. Took a little bit longer than you would have liked, but they got the win, and that's all that matters here. Stanton began the night's charge, ended it in the 11th inning, which is good to see. You had LeMahieu with a couple of big knocks there as well. And look, John Means is good. John Means, when healthy, is really good. And unfortunately for the Orioles, not that it would have made a world of difference in their season if he didn't have to miss three months like he did. But John Means is an all-star caliber pitcher. Got through a no-hitter earlier this year. If they would have had him, you know what? They would have been at least a tougher out this season at least once every five days. And he had that Yankee lineup tied up last night for five innings. You know, the thing that surprises me, I'm surprised the Yankees couldn't get to that bullpen until they had the whole runner on second base thing to start extra innings. I expected them to do a little bit more damage against that Oriole relief core. And, you know, Lewiska gave up the home run last night to Mateo, and, and, and look, I can't kill him. You know, the guy's been perfect for like a month. You can't get on Lewiska in that situation. Really, any of these guys, when they have that one, you know, slip-up, and they're human. You know, and everybody's Mo Rivera, and by the way, Mo Rivera even had a slip-up every so often. Can't kill him for it. Right? And I can't even sit there and, and, and get on Wandy Peralta even in the 10th inning. Right? I mean, think of how many big outs he's gotten for this Yankee team in relief this year. He's been so good out of the pen. You know, you're going to have nights like this. It was good to see Chapman, you know, at least settle down and, and, and give you a quality inning. It was nice to see Holmes in that fateful 11th. What did Baltimore have? First and third, nobody out, and he still was able to get out of the jam and you know, to start things off, Cortez did really what he's done pretty much all year for the Yankees. It's a diamond in the rough, and he's one of these X factors that if the Yankees do find themselves in postseason baseball this year, you say, boy, where would we be without him? He, he certainly is one of the guys that's responsible. And again, like this, the thing that's worrying you at least ever so slightly, and maybe they take advantage and break out here over the next couple of days against, you know, a, a bad Orioles team. But Judge and Stanton are like the only two guys right now that are doing anything in this lineup. They really are. And like I said, DJ's starting to maybe come out of it a little bit here. But those two guys, they are like the only ones carrying the charge right now, which is good and it's bad. Because you know how important they are for the team, but you want the rest of the guys to contribute a little bit here. And, and look, maybe you can explain it to me. I, 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 don't, know if, I, I don't know how you can. But somebody's got to tell me what the hell Aaron Boone and the analytics folks over at Yankee Stadium, Brian Cashman and his, 
you know, stable of nerds from the Ivy League and the guys who sit in front of a computer all day and probably don't even know what a baseball field looks like. What the hell are they doing putting Joey Gallo in the two-hole last night? The only thing that I can come up with and wrap my mind around is that they said to themselves, you know what? It's the Baltimore Orioles. They stink. They're basically a triple-A team that's coming into town here. Let's have some fun. Let's experiment a little bit. And, I don't know, let's throw Joey Gallo in the two-hole. Like, that's the only thing that I can come up with to try to rationalize what they were thinking by making that move. Because, obviously, it didn't work out. And Gallo is in an absolute slump like you wouldn't believe. Right? And I know that he and Rizzo coming aboard, it helped kind of turn the season around. I get it. But, I mean, if you want to strip it back, let's be, I mean, Joey Gallo's been terrible. I mean, we're talking about a month now, over a month. And if you add up the overall body of work, I mean, he has been a huge, huge liability at the plate for the Yankees. The guy's OPS is like 600. He's batting like a buck 30 since putting on the pinstripes. You know, so much for that first week, right? I mean, it's been like gone south since. I I don't get it. Like I said, they might have been just having some fun. They're like, hey, let's try this because it's the Orioles. That's the only thing that I could come up with. And the only bad thing about last night, if you're the Yankees, is that everybody else in the race won. Everybody else you're competing with also got victories last night. Tampa Bay beat Minnesota behind Michael Waka, of all folks. Boston took care of business against the Cleveland Indians. Kyle Schwarber had himself a big night, and he's starting to heat up a little bit here. Remember, he missed all that time and, you know, getting adjusted to his new settings up there in Boston. He's starting to swing a hot bat a little bit. And then in one of the craziest games you're ever going to see, the Blue Jays stormed back and beat the A's last night up in Toronto. This was a game that, if you didn't see it, Toronto trailed 8-2. to two. Going into the bottom half of the eighth inning, they put up a six spot. Goreal hits a game-tying grand slam in the bottom of the eighth inning. And then Mark Hanna of the A's hits a two-run homer in the top of the ninth. So you're thinking, all right, the A's have reestablished control of the game. No, 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 no. Toronto storms back in the bottom half of the frame. And then Marcus Simeon walks it off with a three-run jack, and the Blue Jays win. So where does that leave the Yankees right now? Six and a half back of the race. Which is, look, in my opinion, that's still an uphill battle that they're fighting right now in that American League East. Six and a half, that's a lot. It's six in the loss column. They got some work to do. I still think that the Yankees' likeliest path to the postseason is going to be via the wild card. And that lead over the Boston Red Sox right now is only a game and a half, except the Yankees have three games in hand over the Red Sox. And they're up three in the loss column. So you feel good about that. You take care of your business, and then Boston's not going to be able to catch you. And plus, with Oakland losing last night, that's a positive for the Yanks. Now you're four and a half up on them just to even get yourself in the playoffs. 28 games left. They're in a good position. You know, they're in a lot better position than they were a month ago. I think we can all acknowledge that. 28 games left. They've got the sixth easiest schedule left in Major League Baseball. Not too bad. You know, they've got five left against the Baltimore Orioles, three left against Texas, and one left against the Minnesota Twins. As I started off the show by saying, it's professional sports. It's Major League Baseball. Those other teams, they're expected to win also. They're trying to win. But those nine games, you should win all those games. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the Texas Rangers are atrocious. 
And Texas is even worse on the road. I mean, they've got 16 wins on the road all season long, and they're coming into Yankee Stadium. Minnesota's got to come back in for that one more game, the makeup from the rainout. The Yankees beat Minnesota like a drum no matter what year it is, no matter what century it is. They own the Minnesota Twins. And the Orioles are the Orioles. Okay, so those nine games, I I mean, win all nine at the very least, eight of the nine. You got to put those in the win column if you want to cement this because as you get closer to the finish line, final nine games are going to be tricky this year. And it's against teams that right now you're in battle with. At Boston, at Toronto, and then three in the Bronx against the Tampa Bay Rays to close out the season. It's not going to be easy. And as I've said many, many, many times, perfect scenario for the Yankees is you want to have at least your playoff spot wrapped up in that final week. You don't want it to come down to that final weekend against Tampa Bay because you want to be able to align your pitching staff to where that wild card game, when it shows up, whatever date that is, that Tuesday or Wednesday after the regular season ends, that first week of October, you want to have Garrett Cole lined up to start that game. So in a perfect world, wrap up your postseason spot, and then you send your ace out there against, in all probability, the Boston Red Sox. And then may the best team win over nine innings. But we're long, long, long ways away from that happening right now. But the Yanks doing what they had to do. They got the win. And now you got to keep it going this afternoon with Mr. Montgomery. Fourth start back from him since spending some time on the shelf. And you know what? He's gotten better, in my opinion, with each and every start he's made. You hope it continues in that direction today. Want to hear from you. 800-919-ESPN. 800-919-3776. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into this whole disaster with the lineup. And, and, and what in the heck they were thinking last night with Gallo in the two-hole. He can't possibly be there again today. Cannot po- I wouldn't even have him in the lineup. Sit him. Needs a day off. He should not be hitting. Your best hitter now hits number two. That sure as heck isn't Joey Gallo. <laughs> You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. Yanks got some good news on Gio Urshela yesterday. The MRI turned up clean on the hand injury that he suffered when the Yanks were out on the West Coast. He's still listed as day-to-day, so hopefully be back in there soon. And that's the Yankees injury report brought to you by Total Orthopedic Spine and Sports Medicine, Long Island's premier orthopedic practice. Whether you have a sports injury, an age-related ailment, or something far more complex, their award-winning team are the experts at getting you back to you. Switch gears to talk a little Mets now. And again, just like the Yankees, it wasn't pretty, right? They needed extra innings, but they did what they had to do against a bad team and got the victory. And look, I, I, I know that I've taken shots at Pete Alonso throughout the course of the year for some of the things that he says after the game. And he had, you know, kind of another gem after uh, the game last night, which I'll play for you in just a second. But, you know, give him credit for what he's doing at the plate. The guy's producing. You know, he's one of the couple of guys in this lineup that consistently has actually gone out there and gotten big hits for this team, especially as they are trying to prevent this precipitous drop that they've pretty much had in the National League East standings over the last six weeks or so. Came through with a big knock again last night. You know, Jonathan VR got a huge hit in extra innings, and Jonathan VR has been big all year. You know, that was one of those acquisitions that when it happened early in the winter, you say to yourself, well, you know, that's just a depth piece. Nothing more, nothing less. Maybe he plays a couple of days a week, but, you know, where would they be right now without Jonathan VR? You know, he's one of the reasons why they're – 
at the very least 500. Guy's been invaluable for them. You know, given the fact that J.D. Davis' season has pretty much been a wash, Jeff McNeil has been a huge disappointment for them this season. You know, guys like VR have stepped up and played a valuable role on this team. You know, Rich Hill, all 78 years age, you know, 78 years young of him, goes out there last night, pitches the best game he's pitched as a New York Met. You know, they needed that. You know, had that Nationals lineup in knots all night long. Hopefully he can get that again from him in another five days from now because it's all hands on deck at this point, right? So you're back to 500. You know, a couple of days ago when I was last on SNY, we were talking about the Mets and talking about where they were and, you know, can they complete this run? Can they get back into the mix? And what I said a couple of days ago, I said, well, you know what? At that time, they were 65 and 67. I said, they're not even 500 yet. You know, can they at least get back to zero, ground zero, before we can talk about them making this push? Okay, now you're back to 500. You're back to square one. You could start fresh. 28 games left. It's a brand new season. How many wins is it going to take to get into the playoffs in the National League? How many? Obviously, you're going to need a little bit more probably to win the National League East as opposed to maybe stealing a wild card. But 28 of those games. Do the Mets have a run in them where they go 18 and 10? Is that too much to ask? But if you go 18 and 10, that only gets you to like 85. Is 85 going to be enough to win this division? I'm not so sure about that. And the reason I say that is because the Braves and the Phillies, more so the Braves, their schedules are extremely, extremely more favorable on paper than what the Mets have left. Even a team like the Cincinnati Reds, who right now hold that second wild card spot in the National League, their schedule is a lot more conducive than the New York Mets is the rest of the way. And I mean, that's the other surprise here, and we'll get to that in a second. That's the other avenue and the other path that has opened up for the Mets, at least, is that wild card option. Because for the longest time, it looked like it was going to be win the division or bust. That was going to be your only way of getting into the postseason. But because the San Diego Padres, the wheels on that train have completely, completely fallen off, and it's allowed a team like Cincinnati to take over that second spot. It's allowed a team like the St. Louis Cardinals to get themselves back into the mix, and then subsequently the Mets. You know, they're also in the conversation right now. There were a couple of things that you didn't like in that game last night. Might as well get those out of the way, right, while we're here. Might as well just throw it out there. Uh, Edwin Diaz gave you another one of those performances last night, which I don't know how you feel about it. Diaz is a guy I still can't trust, right? Never have. I don't know if I ever can, to be honest with you. That's a game against a dead team. You got a two-run lead in the ninth inning. Look, I understand you get beat by Juan Soto. Leadoff hitter in the ninth inning, fine. Fine. You know, even the guys last night on the broadcast, I don't know if it was Ronnie or Keith who said it, like, you know, that was the good thing about Juan Soto leading off the ninth inning in a two-run game is that even if he beats you for a solo home run, you still got the lead. And he takes you opposite field, and I don't know how many guys even get that ball out of the ballpark, but Juan Soto's one of the best hitters in all the Major League Baseball. He beat you, fine. Wasn't a bad pitch. No harm, no foul. That's going to happen. But then what do you do after that? How do you respond? And that's, again, where Diaz gets into trouble a little bit there. You know, has a couple of guys on base, and then to compound matters, did not get any help whatsoever from his outfields, especially Brandon Nimmo. Nimmo with a horrible read on that Adams fly ball. You cannot go for that like Nimmo did. Because once you sell out 
And once you try to make that commitment and Nimmo diving forward like that to try to catch that ball in the air, you got to catch it. You have to catch it because you know that once you're down like that, if you don't catch it, it's going by you. And that's exactly what happened. And what happened? Tying run scored. And that situation, I don't think you could run that risk. I think you don't leave your feet. You just keep the ball in front of you. And then you live to see another batter. Because if you trap the ball, then it's only first and second with one out. And you still have the lead, more importantly. Instead of the other alternative where he tried to make the catch. And I didn't think he was going to make the catch anyway. That was, an, I mean, that was one maybe if it's like, you know, two outs and, and, and the winning run is on third base. That's the only way you leave your feet in that situation. As soon as he went for the dive, I said, he's not catching this. You knew it was going to go by him. And then what happened? It allowed the tying run to score. Way too risky in that situation. And, by the way, you had the bottom of the order coming up, too, for Washington. Like the 8-9 hitters. You know, trust in your closer. your all-everything closer to pitch his way out of that situation. And the good news for the Mets is they actually got help on the out-of-town scoreboard last night. Atlanta lost in Colorado. Rockies are really, really good at home. They're horrible on the road. Laughably bad on the road. But they're really good at home. Braves got them on Thursday. Rockies bounced back last night. Philadelphia lost in Miami last night. Kyle Gibson got lit up. Remember, he was one of their acquisitions at the trade deadline. Got lit up like a Christmas tree. So now you got the Phils, who are only two back of the Braves. The Mets, who are only four back. And oh, by the way, again, now you have that other path to the wild card, which is only a four-game deficit right now. And you know, the Mets have played good baseball during this stretch. You know what they're doing? They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're 6-1 and one in this little stretch against Miami and Washington. And you got seven left against these teams here over the next week. Beat up on the bad teams. Give yourself an opportunity. Because once you're done with this stretch, when you look ahead to the schedule, your final 21 games of the season, you only have four games left against sub-500 teams, and that's Miami. Four left. And the Mets have struggled this year against good teams. They have struggled this year against teams with winning records. They're 10 games under 500 against winning teams. So that's why still deep down, I don't feel overly enthusiastic about their chances to make the postseason because they haven't really shown enough consistency, especially against the better teams, that they could get it done. And that's what's got to leave you a little concerned, I think, if you're a Met fan. You know, and I mentioned the schedule, too. Philadelphia, at least on paper, they've got the easiest schedule left in baseball. You know who's got the second easiest schedule? The Cincinnati Reds, a team that you're chasing for that second wild card. Third easiest schedule? The Atlanta Braves. So the three teams that you are chasing right now have the three most favorable paths to the postseason, at least in terms of what they have to play the rest of the month of September and then into early October. Not good. Not good. But in the meantime, beat up on the bad teams. And he got two today against Washington, Stroman in game one, Tyler McGill in game number two. And we come back, we'll play a little bit of Pete Alonzo. And I love Pete, but Pete says silly things sometimes. And also, a Jacob DeGrom update, which is another reason why you can't feel all that great about the Mets' chances of maybe sneaking into the playoffs here in the National League. 
You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. Here on a Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN. Hope everybody's having a great start to their Labor Day weekend. Can't believe it's Labor Day already, and it's here, but it is. And as I said earlier, get outside today. This is a top 10 day. We might not get a weather day as good as this the rest of this month, this season, whatever you want to call it. It is fantastic, and I can't wait to get outside once we're done with our little uh, show here coming up at noon. We'll get to the football coming up at 10. Talk some New York Jets. I see some people on the line wanting to get in, talk a little gangrene football, which gets underway a week from tomorrow, of course. Giants as well, so we'll be all over the football. Pete Alonso, like I said, he, he's been great for this Mets team. You know, he really has been. He's been fairly consistent. He's come through in the clutch. He's gotten big hits for them. But, you know, especially when things were going south, and yet he'd still go up there after every game and just say silly things. You know, whether it's, you know, losing six in a row, but hey, trust in us, we got this, we got this, yet they just went out there and continued to just get punched in the face every night by the Giants, the Dodgers, when they were going through that horrible stretch. It was just, it was a tired refrain. You know, and then at that point, you just want to say, you know what? Let your actions speak louder than words. You know, don't say you're going to go out there and play better. Don't say that you got this, that you got it all figured out. Go out there and actually do it, right? And they've done it here against inferior competition, but they've gotten it done. So let's hear from Pete after last night talking about the vibe of the team right now. Oh, it's, it's as you can imagine, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's awesome to, to rip off six in a row. And uh, especially against teams in the division, so we're just uh, we're just really happy with uh, how we've performed, and we're really looking forward uh, to the rest of the season. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. You're feeling good about yourself. You're winning games. A little drama on Friday night. All good. How important was the win, though? Well, uh, every game every game is really really huge at this at this point of the year, and. Uh, can't make the playoffs if you're below 500. So uh, this is a it's a good uh, it's a good um, it's a good stepping stone. Well, somebody needs to tell Pete. Technically, you can make the playoffs if you're below 500. Now, it's not recommended. You know, you really have to be in a god awful division, but you can make the playoffs if you're under 500. You know that 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 is allowed. It's not like there's a rule to where if you're under 500, baseball is not going to allow you into the postseason. Like it, it does happen. It's happened in the NFL. You know, it's happened in a lot of sports. It doesn't happen that often in baseball, but you can make the playoffs if you're under 500. But as I said, nobody's going to take you seriously because if you don't have a winning record, you probably don't even deserve to be in the playoffs. I know what he was kind of getting at, but still. You want to at least have a winning record going into the month of October. Hell, I mean, the St. Louis Cardinals member in 2006 when they beat the Mets in the NLCS, the Adam Wainwright-Carlos Beltran final out. Cardinals won like 82 or 83 games that year to win a crappy NL Central, and they ended up winning the whole darn thing. Just get in. Just get in, and you see what happens. Um, The other thing about DeGrom, he was with the team in Washington, is with the team in Washington, and I guess he, like, walked by reporters yesterday. And according to sources... He's still not close. He hasn't even thrown off a mound yet. He's just doing throwing on flat ground. And they say that he's at least another week to 10 days before throwing off a mound. So think about that. If that's the soonest he throws off a hill, then you got to build the arm up. 
Then you're talking about sim games. Then you're talking about rehab starts. You know, another week, another 10 days, you're talking September 10th, September, you know, 13th, 14th. Then you got to start to build up the arm. How much time do you think is left? That's why I, I would be shocked. Not to say that it's recommended or not recommended, but I would still be shocked if he throws another pitch for the Mets this year because I think they're going to run out of time in just trying to get him to the point where he can actually pitch in a big league game and in a game which might actually have significance for the Mets later on this month. So I wouldn't expect to see number 48 out there this year in the Met uniform, which is just, hey, you know, they haven't been with him since early July. You kind of get used to it at this point. It stinks, but it's the reality. Spike's in St. Pete. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Spike, how are you? I'm doing great. I always admire your overall knowledge. It's, uh, it's uh, really un, uh, un, un, unequivocally as good as anybody. You're, you're just unbelievable how much you know about every sport. I'm very impressed. So, so here's what I think with Gallo. I agree with you, but uh, the stats and the analytics say he's got to play. I totally agree with you. But look at these convoluted algorithms and first of all, he's leading the uh, major leagues in strikeouts and first to second, or second probably in walks, bases on balls. He's a, a plus a defender. Uh, he's probably a, a, a golden glove defender at some point. Uh, why they bat him second? You're probably right because it was the Orioles. But that, Spike, that's my only issue. Spike, that's my only issue. I know he's, I know he's got to play, but there's no way he should be batting second. No way. Uh, yeah, especially he's the makes the least amount of contact, but his OBP is uh, is three fifty something or three whatever it is now. I don't know track. It's it's, day, it's but, three it's three oh one as a Yankee. Yeah, I told Ty real quickly because he's busy that uh, with the Mets. I know you're a big Mets fan, and and I root for the Mets too. You can't win in baseball. I really, this is my observation, and I'm sure I could substantiate it. You can't win in baseball unless your close is at least 90%. The Mets last night, it's just between Diaz and Familia, who's the whatever, he's seventh, eighth inning guy. You ever get the two of them pitch well in one game? It's bizarre to me. You know, that was a game they get ahead, they need the game, and the guy comes and spits the bit again. I just don't see it with the Mets. And you know what? Last thing, and thanks for the time. Have a great day. Glad you didn't have any damage, boy. I heard a lot of stories. The thing with Alonzo, I give him a lot of credit, Danny, because he really backs up what he says. I know he popped up with the bases loaded, but he's produced him in the center fielder, who's really not a center fielder, have had terrific years. Those are the two guys. And, Spike, thank you for the phone call as always. Nimmo's been really good this year. I didn't, like I said, I didn't like the choice he made to try to catch that one last night. I thought it was way too risky. It allowed the tying run to score. But Nimmo's had a good year, you know, from start to finish, and, and so is Alonzo. I just, you know, I, I just don't like the kind of distorting reality sometimes you get from Pete. Just trying to be overly positive because I think it comes off a little misguided at times. <laughs> You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. Did some baseball in that first hour, switch gears and do some football here in hour number two. And it all gets underway, at least for the locals, coming up a week from tomorrow, if you can believe it. Giants are going to be taking on, of course, the Denver Broncos. And the Jets are going to be on the road taking on the Carolina Panthers. Of course, we are the home of the Jets here on 98.7 ESPN, so we'll be all over the Jets situation coming up next Sunday. Greg Buttle, myself, Bob, Marty, cast of characters, cast of thousands, uh, back once again, and we look forward to it as always here. Um, Start with the Jets, though, because, you know, 
it's really interesting, and it seems like the Jets are in this place again, and it seems like they've been trapped in this cycle for the last, I don't know how many years, where they're trying to turn things around for the better, and they're trying to build up something that is sustainable. It's like we hear that same refrain over and over again. You know, you're talking about a team now that's gone 11 years without making the postseason. It's the longest drought in the National Football League. 11 years. You know, 32 teams. You know, 31 of them have made the postseason in the last 11 years except the New York Jets. And they've tried different ways to kind of piece this thing together. You know, they went for that quick fix in 2015 when McCagnan and Bowles came in and they spent a bunch of money in free agency and brought in the high-priced acquisitions like the, you know, Brandon Marshalls of the world. They caught lightning in a bottle with Ryan Fitzpatrick when he took over after Geno had his uh, episode there in the locker room. And they won 10 games that year. They scored a lot of points, put up a lot of numbers, but it fell one stop short of the playoffs because they couldn't beat the Buffalo Bills there in Week 17 and Fitz played, you know, a subpar game. They brought the same team back essentially in 2016, and that didn't work out, to say the least. And then they stripped it bare in 2017, right? They started fresh. They got rid of some of those older guys in the locker room and really just gutted that roster. Drafted a couple of safeties with their first two picks in Jamal Adams and Marcus May. We know that Jamal Adams is no longer here. Marcus May, well, he'll be here for at least one more year, and then we'll see what happens after that, but... You know, and then the next year in 2018, they drafted Sam Darnold as they continued to build this. And you thought that they've got their franchise quarterback at the very least. Now they can build around Sam and, you know, see where this thing takes you. And three years later, back to the same starting point yet again around a new franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson. And look, a lot of things were said back in 2018 when the Jets ended up with Sam Darnold, remember, they got him third overall. Giants took Saquon Barkley second, and it was, oh, boy, Giants and Gettleman, boy, they really screwed up. How do you take a running back second overall? And Jets are going to be thanking the Giants for years and years to come because they allowed another quarterback to fall into their laps at number three. You know, Cleveland went with Baker Mayfield, and Darnold ended up with them, and all this optimism and Well, it didn't work out for a variety of reasons. But there was a lot of hype around Sam and where the Jets were headed in 2018 and a lot of the talking heads on television and on radio were were going gaga over the Sam Darnold tape and what he could potentially be. And look, I thought out of those quarterbacks coming out in the class of 2018, he was my number one quarterback. He was the one that I liked the most. You know, I thought that he had that intangible, which you saw from USC. I thought that the guy just finds a way to make plays. He has a knack for coming through. And so, yeah, when he fell to the Jets at three, I thought that they got themselves a steal. I really and truly did. But now we're in the same place again, but this time it's Zach Wilson. And they got him second overall instead of three. And it looked for the overwhelming majority of last year that Trevor Lawrence was going to be going to the Jets because the Jets looked like they were going to be unable to win a football game last year and they were going to be picking first. And then lo and behold, they won not one but two games. And that cost them the number one pick. But they end up with Zach Wilson, a guy who's actually getting more hype right now than even Trevor Lawrence is. And the one thing that you have to take into consideration here first and foremost about this football team going into the season, given the roster moves they've made in the last week, this is going to be a young football team this year. You know, there's going to be 12 rookies on this roster. 12! That's a lot. 
and not just 12 guys on the, the 12 guys and a lot of them are going to factor in significantly. They're basically how, how many rookie starters are you going to have just on the defensive side alone? And then you throw in on offense too. I mean, you're talking like five, six rookies who are going to be in the starting lineup next Sunday, starting with most importantly, the quarterback and, 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 the Zach Wilson hype machine, I'll say this, it, it, it's really, really just taken on a life of its own. I think that's a pretty fair way to say it. And then when you have a guy like Tony Romo come out earlier this week, and when he's going to say things that are like that Zach Wilson has Patrick Mahomes-like potential, and then in the next couple of years, Zach Wilson could be one of the top three to five quarterbacks in all the National Football League. I mean, it's just, wow, okay. I mean, if you're a Jet fan, you get excited over that stuff, but I felt it was important to bring up the situation involving Sam Darnold from a few years ago because if you're a Jet fan, you should remember that it wasn't all that long ago where we kind of were heading down that road before regarding a young quarterback and all of this optimism, right? You know, Dan Orlovsky on ESPN, he's another guy who's a big Zach Wilson fan and just marveling over the arm talent for Zach Wilson. But he was also saying the same thing about Sam a few years ago and a big Sam Darnold supporter. And look, Zach Wilson, yeah, he's got the arm talent. He's shown that he has the ability and all that stuff, and he looked fantastic during the preseason. But it was against second teamers. It was only preseason. It was a very, very vanilla scheme that he was seeing in those two games. You know, defenses don't game plan for you in the preseason. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Zach Wilson won't have a good career, and I'm not going to tell you that, that Zach Wilson won't be a guy that, you know, finally is the answer to that long, seemingly never-ending search for the next great franchise quarterback for this team. But... Let's let his career develop here a little bit. Let, let, let's pump the brakes on the whole Patrick Mahomes comparisons, and he's going to be a top-five quarterback in just a couple of years. Let's relax a little bit because it's not fair to him. It's not fair to the team. It's not fair to Joe Douglas, Robert Sal, anybody. You know, let him go out there and play because when he steps out on that field next Sunday in Carolina, he's going to see things that he hasn't seen yet in the NFL. He's actually going to see a team game planning against him. Like I said, he's going to see disguised looks. He's going to see exotic blitzes coming after him. It's one thing, you know, to look at what you see on film and this and that, but these teams haven't put a heck of a lot of new stuff on film yet this year. That is going to come with time. And on the flip side, you know, I'm sure the Jets have wrinkles to their offense that they haven't even shown yet during preseason, nor should they, that I think are going to catch some teams by surprise. But Let's relax a little bit. And I get it. It's in our nature. You know, you want the hype. You want all that. I, I, I get that stuff. But breaking news here, there's going to be some bumps in the road this season. It's not going to be smooth sailing. He's going to struggle just like any other rookie struggles. You know, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, remember, Patrick Mahomes didn't play as a rookie. Patrick Mahomes played the final game of his rookie year when the Chiefs had everything wrapped up already. He gave way to Alex Smith. So he had all that time to sit and watch and to learn. Some guys need that. Some guys don't need it. Some guys are in situations where you have a luxury like Patrick Mahomes did in Kansas City where he could sit back and just watch for a year because you had Alex Smith already. Jets weren't in that situation. This kid's going to be thrown right into the fire from week one, and let's see what he's got. 
You know, the same people, it's funny, that had all these questions about Zach Wilson coming into the draft and all these doubts because, well, he played at BYU. He didn't play against top-notch competition in college. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to be Patrick Mahomes based on, what, two preseason games when he played against backups? Like, did we forget about all that stuff coming into the draft about the competition he played in college? So you just want a consistent message. That, that's all I want. And, I mean, if he becomes a good quarterback, great, but, you know, this is not going to be easy in this division either. You know, the Jets as a team have their work cut out for them here over the next few years because Buffalo's not going anywhere, and they just gave their quarterback a whole bunch of money to stick around for a whole number of years. You know, now the Mac Jones era is underway with the New England Patriots. You know, the Dolphins say they still believe in Tua Tungavailoa. We'll see how true that is once the Deshaun Watson situation sorts itself out and another team can actually feel comfortable trading for him. You know, you feel a little bit better about those chances like if Zach Wilson and the Jets were in the NFC East where right now that division doesn't look as formidable as the AFC East does. But let the kid go out there and play. You know, he's going to put enough pressure on himself. He doesn't need all this outside pressure of, oh, he's got to be Patrick Mahomes in in the next couple of years. Uh, Stop. Stop, stop, stop. You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. He's pompous. Listen, shut up, and I'll tell you the story. He's arrogant. Do you think there's a lot of things out there that I wouldn't be good at? And sometimes he's downright mean. I know you know what that's like, to be that uncomfortable, pimply-faced, not very popular kid. (laughs) But now it's your chance to prove him wrong. It's dumb. Call 800-919-3776 with your question, and let's stump Dave Rothenberg. That's right, it is that time again, and Stump Rothenberg is brought to you by the law offices of Andrew M. Cohen. Well, Dave's not in today, so you're stuck with me. It'll be Stump Grassa here on this Saturday morning, and I want you to bring it. We've done this a couple of times before, and I don't think I fared too, uh, too badly, actually. So it's now all on your plate. Let's see what you got. 800-919-ESPN-3776. Let's do it. Let's have a little stump session here, and we will start it off with Anthony, who is calling from Freehold, New Jersey. He's going to be first up here. Anthony, how are you? Dan, how are you, my friend? Excellent, Anthony. What's going my on? Question, my question is, there have been two quarterbacks ever to win a national title and the Super Bowl. I just want one of the quarterbacks of the two. National title and a Super Bowl. Hmm. Correct. Um. Wow! National title and a Super Bowl. Yep. I'm think I, I I know a quarterback that won a national title and won. Um. Oh boy! National title and a Super Bowl. Don't imagine hot. I'm, I, I know ones that have won Heisman trophies. Uh, 
How about Montana? Final answer? Final answer. Correct. Montana. And the other quarterback, Joe Namath. That's right. Joe Willie back in the day. Yeah. Way back before my time, obviously. That was a tough one, Anthony. That was a good job. That gets me going. That'll get the wheels churning a little bit here for this. But good job by you. Close. Close. Made you think. Boy, that was a tough. I don't know why that gave me so much trouble. All right. Montana and Namath, the two Joes. All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Bob in Lindenhurst. He is going to be next here on uh, Stump Grassa. Bobby, how are you? Okay, I'm here. You hear What's me? up, Bob? Yep, gotcha. Okay, I'm here. I got a question for you. Yeah. When Bobby Thompson hit his home run, there were two runners on base. Name one. Oh, my goodness. Um... I know who was on deck. <laughs> everybody oh. knows that. Everybody knows it was on deck. Mr. Mays, of course. Um, right. Man. Was on base. Giants. Uh... I don't have an answer for you. I don't know. Like I said, I know Mays was on deck. Who was it? Okay, what happened was Doc started off with a single, Don Mueller singled, Whitey Lockman double, and Don Mueller slid into third, broke his ankle, and they had to put in a pinch runner. And that's the trick question. And the plint, the, the, the uh, pinch runner was Clint Hartung. Clint Hartung. Okay, well, hey. Bob, that was a good question, but I got it wrong. What could I tell you? You know, I was still almost 30 years from being born, but, you know, it's no excuse. You got to get it right. Got to get it right. Chris and Beth Page, he's up next here on Little Stump Grasa. Christopher, how are you? Dan, very good. Um, is it okay if we do presidential trivia? How you Why not? Let's, you know what? Let's see how much I was paying attention in school. Absolutely. All right, and... Plus, I will give you a hint that this guy was uh, definitely before your time, way before you were born. Okay? <laughs> most, of the, most of them are, yes. <laughs> right, that's true. All right, so who was, it being Labor Day weekend, uh, who was the president that enacted Labor Day? Jeez, uh, how long is, do we have a clue when it was signed into uh, law or when it became? All right, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a clue. Give me um, a year. Uh, yeah, but if I give you the year, then you can narrow in what president was that year. You know, and then it just becomes that. Um, all right, all right. I'll was this? Was this? Was it nineteenth right. century? Yes, it was nineteenth century. Okay, I'll give you that. It was. It was late nineteenth century. Late nineteenth century. Uh, I will say Grover Cleveland. Very good, Dan. Very there you good. Go. And he's answered to an. He's an answer to another trivia question, which is only president ever to get married in the White House. <laughs> I didn't know that. See, I, w- I would have loved to have been on the guest list. Probably would have had a you. nice spread. That's a good job by you. Good That's a good one? See, I knew the uh, never to get married one. I didn't know 
um, he was the reason for this this holiday here. That that's that's a phenomenal job by you. Well, once he said 19th century. I kind of just threw out a couple of names in my head, and I'm like, all right, let's throw one out there, and, and Grover was the guy. There you go, buddy. Two Good and to one. know. Two and one. All right, Chris is in Lodi. He's up next here, uh, edition of Stump Grasa. Christopher, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. All right, so six quarterbacks were famously taken before Tom Brady. Who was the last quarterback drafted right before Brady? 2000 draft. Yeah. We know our buddy Chad Pennington was taken in the first round that year. Yes. Uh, boy, I remember. Oh, boy. Give me a second. I'll come up with this. I will come up with this. I know the team. And why is the name? Why am I drawing a blank? Cleveland. What the hell was his name? It's it's one of these obscure names. Oh gosh. Um, Spurgeon Win. That's the guy, right? Yes. There you yes. go. Division two, Minnesota. Spurgeon Win. Now that's a great court. I see. I would have rather seen a guy like Spurgeon Wynn have an all-time great career over somebody like Tom Brady. Like, that sounds like he should be, like, the star of a movie. <laughs> Spurgeon Wynn. That's fantastic. How about that? I mean, that's awesome, man. But it also brings back memories. Mo Lewis, why'd you have to do that, my man? Could, could you, Mo Lewis, you couldn't just pull back? Mo Lewis and I share a birthday. Did you know that? Oh, I did not know that. Not the same year, of course, but we do share the birthday. 3-1, baby. All right, let's do it. Joe, Massapequa, he's up next here, a little stump grasa. Joseph, how are you? Joe. Yes, good morning. How are hey. you? Hey, no problem, Joe. Good morning. How right. are you? Very well, thank you. So here's my question for you. There are four major D1 schools whose mascot does not have a color in it or end in S. The mascot, or like the, the when you say it doesn't end in S, you mean like the nickname? Yeah, the nickname, the school nickname. Uh, how about the um, fighting Illini? Does that? That's correct. That's one. one. Um. All right, the fight. Well, I don't know why that one because they were. I'm watching the TV and they were showing an Illinois highlight from last week. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> that helped me. Uh, do 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 do. Uh, and no color, you said, right? No, no color, correct. Uh, oh, um, Notre Dame, Fighting Irish, right? Correct. There you go. Uh, two more. How about, well, there's two. NC State Wolfpack. There you go. And isn't Nevada also the Wolfpack? 
You know what? That wasn't on my radar, but you stumped me there. I didn't even think of that. that was See that? We turned the tide around. Little reverse wow. stumpage. How about that? What What was the other one that you had then? Uh, Navy midshipman. Navy. Okay, so actually there's five if you want to be technical about it there. How about that? Well, if, if you want to go six, I don't know if UMass changed their name. They were the Minutemen. I didn't know if they changed their name. It wasn't PC, so I didn't know. I didn't throw that in there because... I don't know if they've gotten that rid of that name. I have not heard that they haven't, so I, I, I think they're still the Minutemen, but I, I could be wrong. But there you go, Joe. Good question. There's a few of them there. We have a, a few more that we can play around with. Boy, these are tough. These are tough. So what what are we up to, Ty? What are we? What do we go four and one? You went four and one, and I will say, in your defense, the one was. I mean, it was was an impossible question. Yeah, I mean, you know, shot heard all around the world. Like, not for nothing. I mean, I forgot who the caller was, and God bless him for having that memory. But I mean, he sounded like he was, you know, <laughs> sitting like in front of. He was sitting in front of the transistor radio, you know, sixty years ago, probably when he was in the fifth grade listening to that I game. And I was say, still he was at the game. He yeah, was he was at the game. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it was a season ticket holder, and I was, you know, like I said, I wasn't even in a glimmer in my parents' eyes. <laughs> Jesus, my parents were toddlers <laughs> for that game, for crying out loud. Oh, my goodness. Let me get the sponsor out of the way while we wait for uh, one more. Stump Rothenberg is brought to you by the law offices of Andrew M. Cohen. They provide high-quality, timely, and personalized legal services at an affordable rate. Start the process today at call 516-877-0595 or visit them at amcohenlaw.com. Excellent sponsorship. Great job by those guys. All right, let's do, uh, let's do one more. Just one more, and then we'll call off the dogs here. I want to go out on a high if possible. Brian is in Long Branch. Uh, he's up next here on Stump Rothenberg slash Grasa. Brian, how are you? Hey, good. How you doing? Good All right, I got, a, I got a basic one for you. Yeah. What is the diameter of a rim of a basketball hoop? Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, I'm not even going to attempt to answer that one. What is it? 18 inches. Yeah, you 18. remember that from the, from the school days? No. I, I've, I hated all that geometry stuff. I, you know, I, I, I hated that. That was one of my least favorite subjects. Like, whenever we talked about, you know, like the circumference and the diameter and oh, I hated that. Oh, not for me. Not for me at all. All right, let's do one more. I can't go out on that one because it's just going to make me think about my school days. Ernest in Brooklyn. He's going to be last up here on uh, Stump Grasa. Ernest, what do you got, my friend? All right, I got an easy one for you. Yeah. Uh, two parts. Yeah. What was the American sitcom that had the most spinoff of any other show and name the spinoff uh so the original sitcom and the most spinoffs um probably all in the family right ding 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 you got it can you name there you the go. spinoff oh boy uh jefferson's was one of them right right uh Was Good Times at, uh, an, an All in the Family spinoff? Yes. Yep, that's correct. Go All ahead. right, we got two. How about Maud, the B. Arthur vehicle? Yeah, you're, you're right on top, right? Go ahead. 
I, I think I'm running out of ammo here with that. Um, no, just wasn't think about there, the wasn't, characters and you'll get it. Wasn't there an Archie Bunker one? Like Archie Bunker had his own no. little sitcom too? No, no. That, that, yeah, that, that's Archie's place. Yeah, I didn't even think of that one. All right, you, you, got, you got one that I didn't have. Okay, go ahead. And that's all, that, honestly, that is all I got for you. You know, th- th- well, those you are the only think, ones that I remember. Think about this. The Jeffersons? Mm-hmm. Remember, he was uh, going back and forth. But that's why I said, if you think about the characters, you get them all. You would get them all. And 227, which came out of the Jeffersons. 227? I don't know, but 227, I don't think, was a, a, a spinoff. Was it? Well, it was a spinoff from the spinoff, right? Because the 227 was from the Jeffersons. That was the made from the Jeffersons. Yeah, but that was, I, I know it was the same actress, but that was really a, a spinoff from All in the Family? I, w- I wasn't sure about that. Well, we'll check, we'll that, check one that, that one out. That you got Archie's place, that was good. You only missed I, the Jeffersons. I re- yeah, and you know what, Ernest? That's a good question. That was a good job by you, and I, and I thank you. I, I'm going to double-check that one during the break to see if 227 was also a spinoff. Marla Gibbs was the actress who was the, the, the maid on the Jeffersons. And and she starred in two two. I used to watch two two seven. Believe it or not, that was a very funny show. Saturday night it was right. On, it was on right after the Golden Girls. It was very funny. NBC uh, uh, Saturday nights showed you the life I had when I was in uh, grammar school. A lot more to do. Good addition. So Ty, what was the uh, the final there? What did we finish up with? So I'm gonna make a, a decision. Uh, the, yeah. The umpires. We huddled up. We we yeah. had a discussion about something that transpired during the action. We're gonna strike that uh, that that NBA hoop diameter question from the record. Not a great. Not a great question. Uh, so officially, you go five and one. Wow! And your performance, five and, and one is good. That's five and one. I mean, you're, you're doing things. You're a one seed if you're five and one. <laughs> you are. A one you seed. got you got home field advantage if you're unless, five and one. Unless you're playing in, in the same division as the Tampa Bay Rays, who never lose. Yes, you're you're probably the one seed. They don't. Nobody goes to watch them play, but they don't lose. <laughs> you know. You got Dick Vitale taking videos last night, sitting there behind the plate, and you know the, why are there only twelve people at the game? Well, Dick, COVID is a thing. It's Florida, where it's a hotbed, and it's a crappy indoor facility. Why do you think nobody goes to the games? But neither here nor there.